0: DJPK, hot takes and toast brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac. Cadillac owners may have changed, but luxury has not. Come see the bold new lineup of Cadillac at Jerry Signer Cadillac today. All right, hot takes or toast? Question of the day. We got multiple questions today. Well, let's start with the college hoops since the game was last night and the Utah season came to end. The Utes won a Pac 12 tournament game for the first time since 2016. They took number 2 seed USC to double overtime. Is that enough to bring back Larry Kristoviak? And there are a lot of people weighing in on this, PK. It goes to what you have said for a long time. Even though attendance was down before they closed the games to attendance, even though attendance was down and interest was lagging, there are still a lot of hardcore Ute fans out there who are invested in Utah basketball, and their interest may have, uh, may have been scaled back a little bit but they haven't completely gone away. They're still invested in the program.
1: Oh, on this issue, they'll come out of the woodwork. Yep. And there'll be millions of them.
0: There is a good, uh, there's a good jazz question here that got some good responses. But uh, We're starting with the youths because they got a lot more responses. And they are all over the map. But I think for a lot of people, this isn't a basketball question. It comes down to the finances and can they afford to buy them out uh, Running a $35 million deficit in the athletic department. Yes. Uh, Anthony says the huge deficit will be more than enough to bring Larry back. Uh, I disagree on that. Brian says they're not going to let him go in this year of lost revenue. He also says they'll be really good next year if the players stay.
1: (laughs) I've heard that a time or two.
0: You have. Uh, James says they need to fire him, but unfortunately he's got that huge buyout and they won't fire him
1: you have to weigh the cost of keeping him though what is more expensive just simply keeping him may be more expensive than buying him out because if you keep him then and you and you're determined that he should be gone um, this is a hypothetical here so here well, a out. lot of,
0: a lot of these people have determined that I mean this is what's going through their mind.
1: Yeah, they're fans and they don't have to pay though. That's, That's absolutely as, true. They as don't as have to write the check they and do.
0: they don't have to explain it to their bosses.
1: They have the opportunity to voice their opinions which is their what's what they're doing. But it comes down to Mark Harlan and so if he's determined that that Larry isn't good enough keeping him could actually be more expensive because what you're doing then is buying mediocrity for two three years so over those two three years going forward who knows how long it'll take you to get out of it i could even say four or five years you'll lose more than whatever the buyout is so it might be if you're just looking at it from a money standpoint your investment might be better now to buy him out if you've determined that he's not good enough and I need a replacement and I'm just waiting out the opportunity to not have the buyout, to have the contract expire, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying Mark has reached that conclusion whatsoever. I'm using hypothetically, if he's reached that conclusion, it might save you money over the next five years to pay that up front now, get rid of it, get somebody else in there who can rebuild that program at least uh, to ballpark level of what you had. This has been an historically great program. You've had some downtimes for sure as everybody does, but this has been one of the better programs in the West. I don't think you can argue that. And those fans are all there. They didn't go away. They may be apathetic towards the program right now, but this question is not about the answer to the program right now. It's about the answer to the program going forward to the next four or five years, and those fans most definitely and most passionately are still there, and they'll always be there until they pass.
0: So if it's a purely basketball question and you don't worry about the finances whatsoever and a historically great program, if you look it up, Top 15, or, you know, top 15 schools in wins, in winning percentage, four Final Fours, 16 Sweet Sixteens. I mean, the legacy is there. And historically, coaches who've missed the NCAA tournament for two or three years have been let go. And Larry's now missed it for five. Jim Boylan missed it twice and got let go. Ray Jack Letty missed it twice, got let go. Rick Majerus got let go, even though they went in his last full season. You know, there were other issues there. Lynn Archibald missed it three times and got let go. Uh, Jerry Pym left after going to the Sweet 16. Bill Foster was uh, here three years. Never went to the NCAA tournament. Right, so you're going back to Jack Gardner. You're going back more than 50 years. Well, there were no at-large bids then. So the results on the court, 45 and 42 is the record over the last three seasons. 45 wins and 42 losses. So from a basketball question... And if you keep him based on basketball, you're making an unprecedented decision. And I guess if he comes back and reels off multiple Sweet 16s, then it's justified. But where is the indication that's going to happen? I I don't see it. I, I don't see how you can even spin it.
1: Well, they took an NCAA tournament team right to the double overtime with uh, at least one, if not multiple, NBA players. You're asking me to spin it. I'm trying to spin it. Uh, So a majority of the talent is there. I don't know if it's coming back, if it all comes back. I don't know if Allen is coming back. I don't know. Uh, Jim Boylan made a point to us. He was on our air uh, several years ago, and he says the one thing you have to worry about foreign guys is that they have the opportunity to go home and play in some professional league overseas. And they've got uh, at least a couple guys coming over from foreign – that are foreign. Obviously, they're basically part of their nucleus. Two of their starters are foreign. So I can't answer if those guys are coming back. But if they return the team, I think they can be a pretty good team next year. So it's not much of a stretch. Because there were times this year, they showed that they were they were pretty good. There was just the maddening inconsistency, that it was just crazy, absolutely crazy. And in a sense, even though they lost to SC in double overtime, they finished on that high note. They, they, they found some consistency. That game could have been won, and you know if they don't have half the team foul out, blah blah blah. But that's what the teams who lose do. You either come, you could create a bunch of what if scenarios. Uh, the team that wins goes on and then. Plays gets ready for the next game. The team that loses blames the refs. And looks at the what-if scenarios. But the point being that there's some talent on that team. They played a game without their starting point guard. You know he wasn't there, Jones. So I I can see it. I think, I, is there somebody out there that you just you're just dying to have? Because some of these coaching situations, it just seems like you just bring somebody in. And Sun Devil Football has been doing it since John Cooper left in 1987. You just bring somebody in, and or 1988, somewhere in there, and then he's there for four or five years, and then you let him go, and then you bring somebody else in, and he's there for four or five years, and the merry-go-round just continues. So how do I know? that somebody else out there is just waiting to just get this program blossoming to where it was in the 90s. There's no guarantee on that. So you can throw out Larry Christobiec like yesterday's trash all you want, but what does that necessarily solve?
0: Well, because of the scenario you just laid out, that's why Larry has a contract he has. Because Utah's got this great history, and they brought Jack in, and he put Rick Majerus's team that was splintering and guys were going every which way and he, he got Bogut back for another year and got Jackson back in the program and got him to a Sweet 16, but he missed a couple of attorneys and so Chris Hill let him go and Boylan was going to be the answer and he got Jack Letty's guys as seniors to the tournament, but that was the only NCAA game they played in four years so he let him go. So when Larry built it from the ground up, because everybody left after Boylan, I mean, there was literally one player on the roster who was a D1 player. Who came back? And so, because Larry got him to the Sweet Sixteen, and to avoid that merry-go-round you just described, he got this massive contract.
1: Well, the pros were throwing stuff at him. Absolutely, they were worried because he had NBA. some pro background. Coach spent the Bucks. time as, yeah, and obviously played in the league for a number of years, and is regarded well by pros. And so, Chris jumped on that opportunity to extend him and now it's looking like it's biting him a little bit but at the time pros were coming after him and so he did what he did but that's all in the past I mean we can look back all we want but that doesn't have any bearing on what's available right now tell me who's out there that you just know is just an absolute slam dunk now I don't know Mark Harlan well enough but I knew Chris Hill well enough to where you know he would talk to me about stuff and and he always had a list Of guys and that year that they went to the Sweet 16 they were up in Portland and the Stephen F Austin coach was uh, Brad Underwood and Chris told me right right we're talking about it in the hallway Uh, man and keep my eye on this guy uh, Brad Underwood and Brad Underwood is uh, kicking butt now is he at Illinois and gonna
0: be a number one seed probably
1: yeah and so the point being that Chris had – he always had a list, and he, t- he talked about it. You know, He said he always had a list. He didn't necessarily tell me every guy who was on the list, but I just used that as an example that Chris talked to me about Brad Underwood because they played the Utes, and you could see that Underwood had that Stephen F. Austin team. They had like 30 wins that year at their level, and they were a pretty good team. and And Chris was impressed. I don't know if Mark has it. I've not spoken to him, and now you don't get to see these guys out on the road or in arenas and stadiums and all because of the COVID situation. So I don't know Mark well enough to know uh, what he's thinking as far as having a list. He's never really spoken about that. He's basically defended and supported uh, Larry publicly to every extent uh, in – What is he thinking? I can't say. Does he have a list? Does he feel like there's somebody out there who could come in and there's no guarantees? I understand that, so you're not going to get any guarantee. But it feels very, very strongly that I can get Coach XYZ in here and we can get this thing going. Because if you don't, aren't you just kind of throwing darts at and a dartboard in the dark, and just so well, now it's time we're going to make a change, so we're going to make a change, because he hasn't gone to the NCAs in five years, and so let's make a change and keep our fingers crossed. I don't know that that necessarily is the way to go.
0: Well, I guess when you're an AD, these I mean, these are the biggest decisions. I mean, fundraising matters, too, but football and basketball, you're building your rep. You hire good coaches yeah. and you build facility, raise money and build facilities, you're good to go. Now, you know, football's evolved to be much more important than basketball, but basketball still has importance in some schools, and I think Utah's one of them. So, you know, this is a, a big part of, you know, his legacy and, you know, his career going forward, too. Of course, those he are the things you
1: have to get, get right. Yeah,
0: who does he have he really wants to bet his rep on? And, you know, there are other things that sometimes come into consideration and, you know, we've seen presidents, uh, and <laughs> we know presidents can weigh in on hires sometimes, but the Utes president is leaving, so I wouldn't think that's a factor unless regions are going to weigh in on it. So, you know, how much does that weigh into all of this? Uh, Jacob on our Facebook page says, is a BYU fan? Yes! Bring him back! Three exclamation points. And then some laughing emojis underneath it. Cougar fans feel like they can beat Beat the youths for talent in recruiting battles and then uh, beat them on the court. So they want it back.
1: Uh, possibly, yeah. I mean, they've been relying on grad transfers or transfers. And Pope's one and one against Larry. It's not say. like he's dominated. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, it's funny because BYU has a narrow pool of coaching candidates compared to Utah for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. But yet there was one obvious candidate that they wanted, and that was Mark Pope. I mean, he was their guy that they wanted overwhelmingly that they wanted, and they went through this dog-and-pony coaching search, and this is exactly what it was, and they had to do it because in case Pope said no, but at no point was Pope never not the favorite. He was always the overwhelming favorite. The job was his before Dave Rose retired, (laughs) if he wanted it. And Utah, you don't have that. And which is not necessarily a negative. It's just sort of ironic that they had an over. They don't have a big coaching pool, but they had the one guy that they everybody agreed that they wanted. On I can remember standing there at the Marriott Center with Tom Homo and Braun Santiago. I said, "Well, what, when Dave Rose's retirement afterward, I talked. I said, well, what, when 'When going to have the press conference for?' <laughs> you said um, that Mark just to jam yeah.
0: him up. <laughs> well, we all knew. I know what you're doing. There was it was it was an open secret. Yeah. The number of yeah. people in and around the BYU program who 100% believe Pope was going to be the coach and would look yeah. you right in the eye or, you know, text you, I 100% believe Pope is going to be the guy.
1: Well, I had someone that I was uh, communicating with during the coaching search, and it lingered on a little bit, and it made me a little nervous. And the guy texts me. I said, He said, I already told you who's going to be the <laughs> coach. Why do you keep asking me?
0: Because they haven't it's done like, it yet.
1: and <laughs> I, I know. It's like uh, when I had Ian Furness on, and I was asking him, Hey, DJ's leaving the station. Should I follow him? And he was driving from Portland to Seattle, and after about 90 minutes, I kept asking him, and he finally said, Are you even paying attention to me? I told you to keep the brand together. Why are you making me repeat myself? I've already given, I've given you my answer. Stop asking me this same question over and over again, just rephrasing it in different words. I told you what I think you should do. And he said it in a manner I. Like, Oh man, I better do this," mm-hmm. <laughs> he said. It as some, and he was an advisor to me at the time, and I really valued his opinion, which is the reason why I called him in the first place. So, and there was the same thing here, same time. Like I already told you, who's going to be the coach? This is the guy. This is who they want. He wants it. He's going to take it. They're going through negotiations. It will be done. So, And they made, clearly made, made the right move. Pope looks like uh, he is 100% the right man for the job. I just don't know that there's somebody out there for Utah. And and I, and I, I, I have a bias here. I like Larry. And so I want to see him keep his job. I still think they can get it done. And maybe I'm the fool. And, and maybe I'm Lucy, or I'm Charlie Brown here, and Lucy's going to keep that football there, and I'm actually going to get to kick it. Maybe this is the time. I get it. I'm sticking my neck out when the easy thing to say is, well, look at the results. The results speak for themselves. What are you doing, you fool? And look at all that other stuff that you said, how they've done all, this other, all these other years. When you don't make the tournament, then whatever the, uh, the time frame is, you're gone. And I, I can't argue any of that.
0: And I, and I really wanted to get into this with Larry, and he clearly really didn't want to get into it, and we kind of had to respect the fact that well, he does have a game oh, not Wednesday. Oh, Sure, yeah. He's got a game Wednesday. But I still want to get into it because we don't get him on that often. And hopefully we'll get him on again so we can go big picture. If you're going to bring back a guy who's gone 45 and 42 the last three years, I mean, when they opened that practice facility, PK, <clears throat> they brought back so many former Utes, different generations of glory years, were there, whether you loved the team in the 70s, 80s, or 90s, there were players there. And several of them, but one of them specifically, but several of them generally said this, but one of them very specifically said to me, Is this ups the stakes? This has always been a school where you need to go to the NCAA tournament or you need to explain what got screwed up. And then if you have – that needs to be the average, the norm. And then if you have a big year, okay, then you win a game or two. He says, if you're in the Sweet 16, that's a great year. That's a memorable year. He says, now they're in a Power 5 league with access to better seeds and uh, more at large spots. And they've got this facility with this history tradition fan base. He says, man, I, I don't want to say they're UCLA because they're not, but they need to be in the Sweet 16 a lot more now. And the big year, the Final Four, is no longer a crazy thought. Everything's in place, and it all made sense to me standing there. Everything that got laid out for me, and now, if I'm the AD, if I'm Mark Harlan, if I'm bringing Larry back, there's two reasons. One, I simply have been told by people above me we can't either. We can't afford to do it, which I don't really believe. I think they can't afford to do it, or. We don't want to do it. The optics are horrible, and we're going to get pushback from donors and the state legislature. We just don't want to do it. Don't do it. Okay? If your bosses tell you don't do it, then don't do it. But if you're going to bring him back for basketball reasons, then you got to sit down with Larry and you got to say, tell me all the stuff you've screwed up and tell me how you fixed it. Because... Utah shouldn't be going 45 and 42 over three years. And I need to know specifically how you fixed it so that this isn't happening again. Because you need to get back to being an NCA team, and you probably need to meet these heightened expectations that ex-players, boosters, fans all have because they did build that expensive building for a reason. They did refurbish the practice courts and rebuild them and put in all those locker rooms for a reason. It was to give them an edge so they could be more than a team that usually goes to the NCAA tournament, and then in the big year goes Sweet 16.
1: Okay, does that mean they're going to fire him then?
0: I, I think they're going to bring him back because of the money. I think the optics are terrible, and they don't want to do it.
1: And you think they should fire him?
0: But I don't think, I don't have any expectations. You know, because we've done this show. I haven't had any expectations for the last two years that it was going to get better, and it didn't get better.
1: Okay, he made a statement last night, and Maybe maybe all can cut it up and we can get to it. He made a statement in his postgame. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, but I think it's very, very close. Despite all the noise, I have no reason to believe the program is not on the rise. You can hear that. and He said it himself. Okay. Is the, pro, is the program on the rise?
0: No. I, d- I don't believe it is because of what I've seen. They went 23 and 12, then it dropped to 17 and 14, then it dropped to 16 and 15, now it's dropped to 12 and 13. I, I'd love to tell you I see it on the rise. Well, you're basing I it on, wish it were not on the basing
1: rise. basing it on 12 or 22 victories three years ago. You're basing it on now. Is the program on the rise?
0: It doesn't look like it to me. They're still blowing halftime leads, they're still wildly inconsistent. It's stuff we've been complaining about for years. I'd love to tell you it is. And not just because, you know, I like Larry and he's a good interview, so bring him back. But you and I both know assistant coaches. There's a guy up there who played up there. and I don't want him to get fired. Never wish that on people. Don't do that. But I can't look you in the face and tell you, I think this program is on the rise. It's watching the last five years of basketball, especially the last three. Now, if he's made some changes somehow at his core and the core of the program that are going to pay off, I mean, then I guess you could bring him back. And I, and I think the issue of money is looming in and the optics of it are looming out there. All right, DJ and PK, you can weigh in on all of that. Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. The Jazz, the second half, part two of the question of the day. We will get to it next. Stay with us.